Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fans at Home podcast. It has been a while, and I'm happy to say that I'm once again joined by Chris Adawoy, Will Morley, and uh, a little special guest for the day, Hugo Lloyd, an avid Fulham fan. It's an honor. Um, we've, to give a little bit of backstory to this, uh, as a Chelsea fan myself, I have received three, four weeks of slaughter on the chat that we have for uh, inferior ball molly, as they like to call it, ball knowledge. <laughs> so we, we, I've invited Hugo on this podcast today to test that theory, but also to, to, to test his own ball molly, which I know is plentiful. So we're going to get underway. Uh, I. Uh, put out on the socials some que- uh, if you guys had any questions because I thought we'd have a general prem chat today as it's been so long and and within minutes we received 46 was my last count questions which is pretty cool so thank you all who, who sent in questions and I'd like to start with a more general one easy one a light one to get us all in from Nick Foster which is who will finish top goal scorer of the league uh, and I'd like to know actually to start him off and get him inducted properly Hugo who, who are you thinking at this point in time and why well, I think for me it's between Kane and Salah but I think I'm going to stray towards Salah just because Liverpool you know despite Klopp not being very happy they do get a few pens um, and I know I know that obviously he looks he doesn't look anywhere near his best at the moment I think Morley would agree with that um, but he, he always scores like he's one of those players who despite not always putting the best form, says we'll stick the ball in the back of the net. And Liverpool are more than likely to pick up form and goals. And I think Kane, as he has done recently, he'll probably pick up some sort of injury, which will put him out of the running. But if Kane can keep fully fit, I think, I think it'll be him. So a bit of a, bit of a cop-out on, so I'm giving two. But yeah, that's, that's my initial thought. Because um, I'm, I'm thinking along the lines of, I, I mean, Salah is, you, you, your money is pretty safe with Salah. I just feel... You know, I, I look at the list right now and I see, you know, it's pretty tight at the top of it. You know, 11 goals, 12 goals, 13 goals. There's just a ton of people on 11. I still, I find it really hard to ever doubt Jamie Vardy, which is an outside yeah, bet on it. I find it really hard to doubt him because that guy is a goal merchant. We all know it. We've all seen it. We all loved it for the last six years. I just, you know, I put him, I put him in the conversation. I'd also put, uh, yeah, Son, Kane in the conversation, you know, some of the some of the people that, you know, I, Bruno Fernandes, if he finishes in the top two, top three goal scorers, you know, he will have scored 10 pens. So, um, <laughs> like, I'm not even going to go into that part of the conversation. Will, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like, to be a bit boring as well, I'd probably say Salah because he just, he just guarantees you about 20 goals a season, um, which is quite unlike most other players in the league. What I do what? think will happen is I think quite a few players in that top 10 I think they'll start to drop down a bit. So, like, Bamford's had a really good start to the season. Like, will he be able to keep up that that form? Will Calvert-Lewin be able to continue to score as many goals as he's doing? Um, but I'd say it'll probably be between Salah. Mm, I mean, depending on Spurs' form and Leicester's form, I think it'll be between Salah, Kane and Vardy, I think. No one's backing Son. That's interesting. <sighs> He'd, he'd a good start I'd probably season, back but... Son over Kane, to be honest, just because of what Hugo yeah. said about that injury record. I think it's a given that Kane is going to miss like four to five games at least this season. Whereas I think we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. I think Son's played over 250 games for Spurs in five years. So you pretty much know he's going to give you 36, 37 games at least every season. And he must be averaging like, what, like almost a goal a game pretty much. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, I don't know about this season. He's got 10 season. goals in like 15. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got 12 goals on the season, Prem wise. He scored his 100th games. goal, I think I remember, for Spurs a couple games ago mm. against, was it Wolves he scored it? No, it wasn't Wolves. It was Leeds he scored his 100th goal for Spurs against, I think. Um, it's just the one, the one thing about Spurs is that even if they maintain form, form for Spurs is winning 1 0, winning 2 1, winning 3 1, whereas form for Liverpool is putting four, five, six past teams and you know Salah's going to get a couple. So Spurs can still play well and some can have moments, but that doesn't necessarily mean they'll be able to keep up with a Salah. And the reason why I'd have Vardy maybe over um, Son and why I'd have him really close to Salah, even though Liverpool are better than Leicester, is that if you look at like 
goal-scoring proportions. In Liverpool, they share the goals around. I mean, would now them get a couple? Obviously, there's Mane there. He'll try and get 15. Same with Son and Kane. Like, they're kind of splitting the goals at the moment. But then with uh, Bardi, he's like their main goal scorer, if you know what I mean. To, so to, interge- like to, to interject there, sorry, Chris. I think that's actually what you've just said there with regard to sort of Liverpool scoring so many a game. I think that's actually come as a byproduct of them not being as secure as they might like to be um, mm-hmm. in defensively. You know, they've, they've not kept anywhere near, obviously, as many clean sheets as last year. They've had issues with... Allison and COVID and as we know the injury disaster that Morley I'm sure would be able to speak volumes to but with that does you know it's another question that was asked by several people with who do big clubs need to bring in do you think Liverpool bringing in a defender a centre-back to shore things up at the back do you think they'll not just you know their their goal scored would would start to, to you know slow down a little bit as they start to settle for results rather than feel like they have to keep fighting until the final whistle no, I, th- I think that I think Liverpool will just revert. I mean, if they get another defender, I think I think they'll just revert back to the system they've adopted over the last couple of years, where they've had that solid base at, like as a back line, and then they've just given it to the to the fullbacks, and they've gone up and they've just crossed balls. And I mean, I think Liverpool once again have got the most crosses in the Premier League this season. It's just their style of play. It's how it's how they work. So, I don't can, think I don't can think Liverpool win the league though without buying a centre back, ensuring I, I the defence? What centre back do they bring in? That's the question okay, basically, I have. Basically, so I do think that Liverpool need to sign a centre-back because, I mean, the crisis we've got right now, I mean, you've got Van Dijk and Gomez out for unknown periods of time. It's probably going to be towards the end of the season that they come back. And then you've got Joel Matip, who his injury record was just, it's kind of incredible, actually. He just, I mean, he's probably missed more games than he's actually played. <laughs> um, so you, you can't really rely on Matip. So all you've got left is you've got Fabinho, who's been a great makeshift centre-back this season, but he's primarily a CDM. And then you've got a bunch of youngsters like Reese williams Nat Phillips. I mean, is it Watching that, that, Reese williams th- get a little bit done last night was... was by Louis Barry, was it? By Louis Barry. Yeah. Like Louis Barry, what an absolute blocker. legend. He's, he's inex- no, the thing is with Reese williams he's, he's obviously inexperienced, um, but he's a good defender. The, but the one main problem with his game is he's really slow. Like mm. his pace is just it's dreadful. Um, Morley, who do you I mean, want then? Who do you want? So, yeah. So your I Christmas mean, wish, not... your late Christmas wish list for centre backs for Liverpool. Mate, mate, Ramos would be ideal. No, but um, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, of course, of course not. Um, I think realistically, we don't want to go for like I don't know, like a, a big name like Upamecano or something, because Klopp's probably got plans for the summer, and in, and it's Klopp's style to not necessarily like. Panic buy in January. Yeah, he'll, exactly. I think he'll go for he'll go for a squad player like a source player. He's called Sven Botman, who plays for Lille. What about yeah, what like, about yeah. um, someone? Help me with this. Hugo might be able to help me. The lead centre back that everyone's been looking at. Ben um, White. Ben White. Ben White. Think of him. He's at Brighton yeah. now. Yeah, he was in Leeds last year. He's not very good. He's not. He's all good. No, he's, he's all right, but the problem is with him. He's not. Leeds Leeds value him too much they're saying we have to pay 40 million or something for him which is just too much for the player he is but but, but don't you don't January. you think will don't you think that someone who has prem experience shipping in halfway through a season is important or not but he's only yeah. got no, half I mean, a of prem experience yeah obviously well, playing like, like, in the prem and knows the clubs not just throwing it into the deep end mid-season because you know january january transfers you i don't think you ever really i mean as a chelsea fan i know this better than anyone you don't really want to be paying big bucks for people in january because Fernando Torres, uh-huh, yeah, you know, <laughs> lovely memories of those, you know. Mm. So no, no, let's I, I say, think... I, oh sorry, sorry, you go, Will. No, no, you go, mate. I was just gonna say that I read in the papers today that Klopp was like, yeah, we buy a centre back, but we, COVID has issue has affected our finances, so we're not gonna get one. So as a follow up, I was gonna ask if you think Liverpool don't sign a centre back this window, what do you make of their title chances? Um, I mean, it, I think it over like overall. I think it depends on how long Van Dijk and Gomez's injuries will will be for. Um, None of them really, are playing this year. I know, I know. Yeah. I mean, no thing. Van Dijk's looking like he's making good progress, but I mean, good progress for an ACL injury is probably. He, he's not back before the end of. He's not back before the end of the season. Later, Van Dijk needs to man up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But either either way, I think if Van Dijk and Gomez are out for the season and Matip's on and off with injuries. Um, I think we won't win the title. I think we'll probably, I think we'll get top four, but 
the title is a no-go. I think Klopp, I think does, Klopp's almost... Does that mean that the title... Now, this is something I'm really intrigued about because I don't think so. I'm, I might be a hater on the fact. There might be, you know, a slight emergence of bias. I just, I just really don't think so. United, you know, no. they sit pretty where they are right now. Game in hand, level on points. Um, feeling very confident in their style of play and flow. Where where are they? Are they are they the real de- are they the real deal? That's what I I want to know from you guys because I I don't I don't think so. I think they come a crop, you know, not now, but I think they'll come a crop in February. I mean, what's what's I, been so great about this season, I guess, is you've had loads of teams who've like gone into like, the first position um, for let's say like a, ma- a match week or two, and then they've just suddenly dropped down the table really quickly because it's so clumped in that top sort of six or seven or eight. So I'd probably say. United will have a good two or three weeks at the top and then they'll start to drop down a bit as everyone's form starts to dip as well. But I could be wrong. Who, I mean, who, ideally... Who are, your, who are your mid-season? Who's going to win? I'm interested. Hugo, who are you thinking? City. City. I think yeah. City are clear. I agree with Morley that um, Liverpool needs to a centre-back. I think quickly before we move on that, I think another thing with a, a centre-back is that I understand they've been playing Fabinho there who's, who's been really, really good, but they missed him at CDM. But also, I feel that they could really do with a. It's not just the defensive side of the game that they've been missing. Like against West Brom or against a lot of teams, there's times where it's a lot easier to cut like lanes and stuff because there's like Reese Williams or Nat Phillips are not as comfortable playing like defence splitting passes. So I think at times Liverpool have had a bit of problems breaking down low blocks just because they're not as comfortable breaking those lines, which makes it a lot more difficult. But bear so in mind, that, think, hasn't played in those games. The ones you're talking about, and then yeah. now, yeah, I think he's going to be that person who changes it going forward for them personally. And and also just to add to that, um, in the last three or four games, Liverpool have really struggled to break down defence, like you were saying. Um, another reason for that is I think Klopp doesn't trust his, um, his team to sort of score goals against those teams who sort of sit back and defend. Um, he he doesn't have confidence in any other players really apart from Salomani and Firmino. So he plays them so much. I don't, I don't think he does. Because, I mean, I mean, to, be fair, to be fair, last night against Villa, I know it was a, it's a game that's difficult to get motiv- motivated for when you're playing against a bunch of under-23s under and youth team players. But the first half performance from key players that you would say Klopp just trusts, as in the Salas and the Hendersons, and they were one out of ten performances in the first half. Yeah. They needed someone like Thiago to come in there having seen how poor they were in the first half to motivate them. Thiago got a man of the match performance for 45 minutes on the pitch. I wonder why they scored five goal, three goals in five minutes. But that was pretty appalling. I know it's a hard game to get motivated for excuses. Excuses, Villa played out of their skin. I was very impressed with, with, the, with the talent that they have there. And they, they took their opportunity to, to show up in the limelight. But I don't know. I think Klopp, last few games, is starting to have worries even about the players that he's actually trusting in the forms of the, the Salas and the Mane not being able to out-joust out Walker-Peters in the Southampton game, etc., you know. Yeah, but I don't think that there's any. I don't think there's an indication that that's like a long-term issue. If that makes sense, what I would say about the title race this year is that, given coronavirus circumstances, the fact you're playing every three days, even something like you know, all the games being rescheduled for one reason or another, stuff can change so quickly. As in, when I saw Liverpool batter Palace seven 0 you're thinking, oh right, okay, it's done. If they play like this, then it's done. But yeah, now they've fallen off a bit. But I think what this season also shows you is that. I think there's a stat, like, no no team in the Premier League has won five games in a row yet, and we're about 16 games through. You kind of have the luxury of maybe dropping off slightly a bit because you know that the teams around you are going to have that low as well. As in, United had it at the start and are somehow at the top. City, people were saying, Guardiola, he's done. They can't score goals. Look how quickly it's changed in three games. Arsenal, I was talking to my dad about us playing in the Championship, and now, you know, we're on track with... You know, Chelsea are looking at us in the rear view mirror. I think that we can't get too reactionary over like a couple dodgy performances. Well, I agree, I agree. But you look at City and you look at their recent form. I, I think I think the 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 recipe for success for teams that are struggling is just play Chelsea and you get three points and it starts your <laughs> season. Because I mean, who have we Agreed. done that for already? You know, Arsenal. Arsenal, City played unbelievable football for the first half or thirty-five minutes against us and. And and that was it, you know. Bye bye, rearview mirror, never looking back. Mm. But um, Chris um, also commented on um, 
was I can't remember Chris or Morley about teams that you know get to that top spot for a week or a day or a thing and then they slide down the table and I think that's couldn't there couldn't be a better uh, transition into the great club that is Chelsea Football Club. Uh, I think we made it to the top of the Premier League for a Saturday afternoon and by Sunday the next week we were outside the top four. Um, so, uh, with that said, there's a lot of questions that came in about Chelsea. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to alley-oop Hugo here, who as an avid Fulham fan, who can always hear, you know, the chants when he's at Fulham Stadium coming from across, across Stamford Bridge. Hugo, Frank Lampard, in or out? Um, definitely out. Um, <laughs> I've, I've not been a fan of him ever. Um, obviously he came in last year. And he did, he did a good job. Like, there's no denying he got Chelsea top four in a transfer ban um, mm. without great great players. But I think one of the key parts about that is that, first of all, you've got to look at the teams around them. Like, Man U were awful for half a season and still finished above them. You know, Leicester arguably only missed out on top four because literally half the first team players had injuries. So you've got to look at a little bit of questions of why they got into the top four. Anyway, you skip past that. He's been back tremendously in the summer. They've made on signing, or no, on paper, some really, really good signings. And, you know, they haven't really, none of them have really clicked. You know, Thiago Silva's probably been the one who I'd say has them the best and made a real difference. But at the end of the day, my opinion of Frank Lampard at the moment is that he's, a, he's an all right manager, but he's never, ever going to win a title. Um, that's not win the Prem or compete for the Prem. And with the money that Abramovich has spent and with the ambition that Chelsea have, that's what they want. Um, I, maybe I, in 20 I, I, years it could change. But right now <laughs> he's too inexperienced um, to mount a serious title charge. I agree. And I thank Eric Hoetz for that question. I think, and, and many others who asked the same one, Lampard in or out. Um, do you think, I was watching, you might have seen it as well. You had Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville um, talking about it um, about a week ago. How... Um, Actually, they had Paul Ince. It was Paul Ince and Gary, no, Paul Ince and um, Jamie Carragher talking about this. How these young English managers potentially being given these jobs in the Premier League, as in Frank Lampard, um, too soon, too early. But you just you can't turn it down. That that's an opportunity to manage sure. Chelsea. That that I don't think you could ever. You know, Frank Lampard is a Chelsea fan. He's 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 the club's greatest ever player, in my opinion. You you. I don't think you can turn that down. So do you have a little bit of sympathy, any of you guys on that front of sort of saying, you know, he's done a very good job, but maybe it's just not going to work out at this point in time? Personally, I wouldn't even call the job Lampard has done at Chelsea as good. As in, I am kind of agree with Hugo, as in I don't really rate him as a manager at all. I think at Derby, he had a team that was, he didn't improve the team. Like they were a consistent, Hugo, correct me if I'm wrong, they yeah, were they went from six team. to six with a yeah. way better team. Exactly. And he didn't get them up. And then with the Chelsea team that finished third, yes, he lost Hazard. They talk about the transfer ban, but Pulisic, like the new, like, you know, the new face of the team, if, you know, for want of a better word, he came in, like, and they had Kovacic. So they did actually spend 94 million in, um, what do you call it, Lampard's first window, and he's not improved them. So in terms of sympathy, I feel like, mm, particularly because I mean if he's not good enough he's not good enough and he isn't good enough I mean there are young managers who have gone into a role and done better like I mean I know it's not the Premier League but Zidane had no experience Guardiola had no experience like it can be done it's not an impossible job to go into a, you know a top club with no experience and do well and I just want to ask you a question Luca in terms of Lampard's ability as a manager I want to ask you tactically if you can recall a game where you say right yeah this was a tactical masterclass because Arteta, who's in a similar position to Lampard, I can think of a couple, FA Cup run, even Ole Gunnar Solskjaer beating teams better than him tactically, tactical masterclasses. I just think that for Chelsea to not have beat a single team in the top nine this this far into the season is like really, really scary, I think, as a Chelsea fan. Well, no, I, I think I think that you you have the same question as a, as a listener of the podcast, Leo Eli, but uh, I know that Hugo has got something to say on this Front, am I well, no, the, the, the one that I the one time I thought you know Frank may become decent was when it was I can't remember which Spurs game but Spurs um, against Mourinho 2 1 at the bridge he switched to a five at the back yeah. um, and he completely did Mourinho like I've never seen Chelsea look so comfortable and they I, they they've comfortably won so I would say that's one where you could 
you could call that a tactical mm. masterclass. You know, you know what I'd say to your 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 point and question, Chris. Um, and I, I don't know whether Morley will back me up on this. I'm kind of hoping he will. Um, but I think that Frank Lampard has shown that he has sparks of what you'd call an established Premier League manager. And I, but I don't Which think are? that's come from, just said the Spurs game, uh, putting on the a Spurs charge or tactically altering the players that he's putting in the pitch. I'm talking about first season. This season we had, you know, we were we went 15 games unbeaten, unbeaten, and no one was saying a word about Frank Lampard's job or anything like that. They were saying Timo Werner and Kai Havertz were underperforming, granted, but they, you know, have a, um, Lampard was still managing to put a product with Chelsea where they were in touch with the leaders through the first 16 or 15 sort of games of the season. Not 15 mm. games of the season, first, through the first 10 games, Premier League games of the season, but 15 games in general. Finishing top of our group in Champions League, outclassing Sevilla, things like that. There's been like sparks of good, or I, I don't want to say brilliance because it's not brilliance, but sparks of what you'd expect from a top Chelsea team to do this year. But his consistency is, is shocking. I don't think it's been helped by the fact that his players have some players, big players, big money spendings, Timo Werner. I'm more worried about Timo at the moment than I am about Kai. I've watched every single minute of every single Chelsea game this season. Kai Havertz, just on sub appearances in the last two, three games, has actually played a lot better. I'd really love to see Hudson-Odoi and um, Havertz play more together. They've played less than 90 minutes total, and he's got and they've got three goal link-ups. Um, so I, I would really like to see more of that. I think uh, Hakim Ziyech is not ready to come back from in- injury. I also don't think that he has a ceiling that's able to compete against the high-end Right now, I think he needs wow. to learn. Yeah, I think there, there's so much potential in that Chelsea team. Mm. I, I think yeah, that I, if Lampard goes, I, I still think that whoever comes in as a manager next might have had the foundations built by Frank Lampard because I think that's what we are. I think we're, we're a build at the moment. I think we will be good. Maybe it's a new manager that will put the final pieces together that make us a tactical force to deal with because I don't think that's what we are now. I think he's just got a group of players on the pitch, but he doesn't really have too much of an idea or he might have an idea, but it's not working. Whatever it is, it's not working. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with that, to be fair. I think he's, his main problem has been consistency. I'd say last season, considering it was, what, his, his second season of management, I think he did exceptional. I mean, you see, I mean, understandably, the, comp- the, the competition wasn't great below, I mean, Liverpool. Well, you could have done what he did Wait, last year. I'd say back for no, Chris, I'm flattered, Chris, but um, honestly, like, for that to be a second season in charge, no transfer window. I think he did very well to get top four. Got to an FA Cup final. He, he did. He had a good first season. I think the problem he's had this season is he's he's brought in loads of players from across Europe, some of which are experienced, some of which are relatively young. And you've seen the experienced ones sort of have signs of being class players in the Premier League. But I think the pressure of Havertz or Werner not performing has I think that's played down on on Lampard. Yeah. So I think I think he's felt the pressure um, of them not performing. A couple of things I, I think I point with Frank is that I, I get Luke. You maybe have to correct me because I'm not. I don't watch every Chelsea game, but there was a period of like three or four games where I think you won. You scored a lot of goals and you were winning quite confident. I think it was like Sheffield United, Burnley, which are easy fixtures. But if I remember correctly, you were playing four-two-three-one. Um, and then since Ziyech got injured again or something like that, they've gone back to 4-2-3 and he seems really reluctant to change back to 4-2-3-1, which I think is handicapping the players. Because I think 4-2-3-1 suits his players on paper a lot. But I think Havertz would be a lot, lot better in that 10 role where he can get up and influence the game more. Um, I think Ziyech is better in that. I think Werner... And no, the, no, I, 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 think, I completely agree, Hugo. I'm going to stop you right there just quickly. Yeah pull out just answer that part and then go on i think you you people people who haven't maybe watched every chelsea game and i don't really want to talk too much about chelsea because i feel like we'll go around in circles because it is disappointing at the moment and i'm very happy to admit that but as with most teams liverpool's had to deal with it they've dealt with it better i'm sorry i can also say liverpool had a better base to deal with the issues that they have having had the same manager for six years having a squad that didn't really change much other than bringing in talented players who have had so much or have had success in the prem with regards to um, Diego uh, Yota or with Thiago who just won a Champions League players on very com- comfortable form Chelsea have had Pulisic injured Hakim Ziyech injured Havertz with COVID um, like that's like the three corner pieces that everyone thought was going to be in Chelsea's starting lineup 
this season. Hakim and Puli have played together for a total of, I think it's nine. No, it's more than that now because Hakim played the last game. They've played together for, I think, about 130 minutes um, so far this season. And Havertz had COVID bad. I know other players have, not making excuses. But it's been a pretty rough start to try and gel a team together. I think Lampard hasn't got an identity of, you know, he doesn't trust a certain amount of players yet on that pitch to be able to start them regularly. I think the only person he trusts on that Chelsea pitch at this moment is, is he trusts Thiago Silva. He trusts Ben Chilwell. He trusts Mason Mount. I don't know, you know, if Mason is, is worthy of trusting, but the fact is he puts in a shift whether, you know, whether that's what Lampard's wanting and maybe he can play in a pivot outside Kante. Kante has had a terrible season in my opinion so far. He, he cannot play on his own in CDM. I've come to that conclusion. He doesn't have enough, um, you know, ability on the ball. I think his passing has been subpar. You know, there's been several issues that Lampard's had to contend with. But anyway, I'm yeah, gonna, no, it's, I'm it's, gonna... it's, it definitely hasn't been an easy run for him, to be fair. He's, he's not been an easy run but as a Premier League manager I don't care whether it's your second season I don't, I don't care whether you know your signings aren't performing it falls on the manager at the end of the day because how am I supposed to put a team on pay- like I think he feels pressure from, from certain individuals to play a certain team but if he really wants to save his job you know long term rather than just short term which I think is what he's been doing the last few games he needs to he needs to put the team out there that gives him the best chance of winning not the team that costs the most Chris um, I just wanted to make a couple points in response to what you and Hugo said. With regards to issues with gelling a team, I think that's valid though, but I feel like that excuse doesn't carry as much weight for teams like Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, City, as maybe the Everton, the Arsenal, the Southamptons. Because when you spend 300 million, people in the people in the media have been talking about how, I've literally heard commentators say it in games, Chelsea's second team is literally a back four of like, you know, Azpilicueta, um, Rudiger, Christensen and Emerson Palmieri. That wouldn't look out of place in the Champions League, if you know what I'm saying. So I don't feel like Lampard can say, I mean, someone can say, oh yeah, no, he's lost his star players because the next men up get into most teams in the Premier League. So if you can't win games with, you know, your second string players as Chelsea, then there's a problem there. Secondly, I think what you're saying about how you need a bit of sympathy for the manager because the star players aren't in the team, so they can't gel together and how people like Havertz and Werner haven't, you know, done as well as they should have. I also question as to whether they've been put in the right condition to actually play well because I've spoken about this with Hugo before. The system doesn't fit Werner as a number nine, as in anybody that watched Bundesliga or just understands defensive tactics and attacking movement knows that if you're a pacey striker and you're playing a top four team who, you know, 12 out of the 19 teams are going to play against are going to operate low block. This is a striker that if you watch highlights, you don't even have to watch games. You watch highlights of all of his goals. It's in acres of space, 15, 20 yards of space. I know that's a bad thing because there's lots of strikers that can't do that. But from a, a recruitment perspective, I wonder why Lampard said, I'm, a, I'm, in, a, I'm in a team where loads of men forward against low defensive lines and we're a very possession-based team. We're not a direct team. We're not a counter-attacking team. So why would we want a direct counter-attacking striker? Yeah, exactly. And another thing with Ziyech, I just wondered, I like, I've spoken about this, I like the connection that could happen between Ziyech and Havertz at right wing and 10. But Ziyech is, he's a kind of winger, he's like a cross-first winger. I think you guys would agree. He's a cross-first winger. He's, a, he's an only that cross-winger. That's all we've seen from yeah. him so far. That's yeah. all he does is yeah. cross the ball. That, and he, he, his cross percentage is one of the lowest in the league, by the way. I want that to be known. I'm not very impressed. He had one good game and everybody was like, oh, the magician Ziyech. No. Okay. His cross, he had two good balls that game, two assists that game. His cross accuracy in that game was 15%. 15%. Yeah. yeah. Someone clear so the percentage of them, please. Tactically, think about good right-back, full-back, no, full-back winger partnerships in the Premier League. I mean, Liverpool. Trent is a cross-first winger. I've never seen Salah put a cross in in his life on his right side. That works perfectly when you've got an inverted winger going inside and the full-back goes on the outside. Same with Mane and Robertson on the other side. When you stick two crosses on the right side in the modern-day Premier League, I don't think that really works. Especially when Werner, as a number nine, isn't the tallest. He's not the biggest. Giroud in there is one thing. Tammy Abraham in there as well is not the best header of a ball. I think that, not to be rude, not to be controversial, but I honestly think Lampard's thought, right, I've got a big bag of money. He's done it like 
FIFA career mode or football manager. Yeah. Which players have the highest ceilings, the highest potential? Look, the best. Uh, Chris, respectful. No football manager player would spend money as poorly as that. Yeah, is it? Exactly. You're spot on. Look, I, I think I think unless you have Giroud as your number nine, I wouldn't even say Tammy because I don't think Tammy is airily good despite being six five. I don't think he is. Yeah. Unless you have Giroud up there, I don't think Ziyech is really going to have any sort of you know, high ceiling, as you just put. I think if you have Reese James and Hakim Ziyech bombing in balls to, to Giroud, I think you get a goal a game. I honestly do. But then where do you yeah. put Werner? Do you play him next to him? And then you have to take away yeah. one of the center mids. Do you play him on the left? No, because he's got yeah. two goals and 13 appearances on the left this season. Yeah. You know, it's poor form. Um, I like Timo just pointing the back, but you can't, you know, Chelsea's a three center mid team. You can't take one of those people out. Yeah. Just to sum that whole, you know, square peg and round hole thing up, I think that for Werner, for them to spend £90 million on Havertz, and I think in his first five Premier League games, I'd seen him at the number eight position, the number 10 position, the right wing position, and as a false nine, is so tactically naive that when it doesn't, you know, over a 16-game stretch, when that hasn't translated into results, I think you've got to look at the manager. You can't look at Granovskaya or Abramovich or the scouts. You've got to look at the manager because he's just doing things that aren't normal. I think, as a manager, if you're going to think outside the box, then a bloody well better payoff, and it hasn't done that for Frank Lampard, yeah, and- which is probably the main reason why I would say I think his time is done, especially at a club like Chelsea. I think the same stuff going on at Arsenal, I think I'd want him out. And we're talking about Abramovich here. So just to to finalise what Chris there. says, though, is, as well, like, at the end of the day, Frank Lampard's a manager for Chelsea. So There's supposed to be title challenges. They're at least top four contenders. If someone said tomorrow, you wake up and Fulham take Lampard and sack Parker, I'd be upset. And as a top four <laughs> Premier League team, you can't have a manager who a relegation battle team wouldn't accept. He's just, I think that kind of sums it all up. Yeah. I think it, it sums it up well. And on that point, you know, I'd like to say that we have a sponsor because I'm about to down a Yakult, but we don't have a sponsor for this podcast. Um, but uh, maybe one day, who knows? Yakult, if someone listens, please sponsor us. I drink too much of your product to drink it. with. The, like, I don't have any money left. Uh, between Sky Sports betting and Yakults, it's, my, my life is incomplete. Um, I want to bring in a really interesting sort of sideswipe question. Um, and it came in from... Uh, somebody across the pond in America, um, Ted Ann. Thank you for sending in this question. If you had to trade away Kane or Son, your Jose Mourinho, the big dog, the best pre- best manager other than Alex Ferguson in Premier League history, just to annoy Chris, um, <laughs> who, who are you trading away, Kane or Son? Who is who is less important to that Tottenham team? Go on, Chris. Um, I actually. I think that question is really interesting, but I do think it's quite simple. I can I think Son is absolutely world class. He's two in terms of scoring goals, he's two footed. Son's probably the only player in the Premier League where one on one, any angle, any number of defenders like you know behind him, any goalkeeper, I think goal every time because it's just muscle memory. His finishing, it's just his top, XG top, is top. unreal. XG is unreal. like eight goals above his XG or something. Harry Kane, on the other hand is a complete player in a way that I would say Son isn't. And the question I would ask myself if I'm doing that trade-off is, if I lose Kane, who in the world can I replace him with? That gives me even remotely the around the same kind of output. As one person I can think, no, two. Lewandowski and Ronaldo are probably the only people that I would have in Kane's position. Give Son, me Danny Ings. Hand, Give me Danny Ings any day. <laughs> Son, Absolutely Son's love that guy. Hand. Kingsley Coman, I actually think can do it because he's young. Um, Serge Nabry. I think I think Bayern have three people that could give you similar numbers. Sane, Coman, Nabry. I mean them. So I've already named three compared to two for switching out Kane. I just think Son is more replaceable. I can even see players like Rashford, who's a bit younger, going on to do what Son like. You know, having that kind of impact on a team. You know, affecting the game in that kind of way. Whereas if you watch the game and you see what Harry Kane does from what he's doing in the centre circle in the counter attack to in the box for corners penalties, just goals, goals, goals from all different areas on the pitch. And then also thinking about Spurs itself, probably the like he's going to, when it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the biggest legends to ever play for Spurs. And he's the, he's the vice captain as well. So obviously like Son has a legacy there as well, but I think Kane's legacy is a lot bigger. And I just think that the, the opportunity cost of getting rid of Kane is a lot higher than um, Son. 
to sum okay, up. If you couldn't tell, Chris, I think is doing something to do with economics at university. So just had to put in a, an econ <laughs> term in there. Um, but uh, Hugo, Hugo, Will, what are you, what are you thinking? I do agree with him, to be honest. I think Kane's You agree with unique... Chris. There's a first time for everything. <laughs> I know, man. What a day. The thing is, oh, I, think, I know, Paul. I think, Chris, I think you're right. I mean, Kane's... <laughs> yeah, Kane is such a morning. unique player. Kane's such a unique mm. player because, I mean, if you're talking about the best striker in the world, I think, if you, if you want just a, a pure goal scorer, I think you'd have to go with Lewandowski. But yeah. on, the other, on, on the other side of the coin, I mean, Kane's just... All, such an all-rounded player, like he contributes defensively. He create. He, he's got the most assists. He's up there with the goals. No, out, I mean, out and out, out and out number nine this season. He's probably the best in Europe. I think it's up between him yeah. and, and Liwa. Well, yeah, um, it'd be yeah. between him and Lewandowski. But I think respect Kane is... as well, please. Okay, yeah. that's very true. true actually, true, that's true. the top. That if anyone else, otherwise that's that my, my top, top three. three. That would that would be that, the same for me. In, I know it's I know it's Serie A and not Prem, but. But if anyone watches highlights or wants to watch more football, Romelu Lukaku and Inter Milan, serious. Oh, he's serious doing fantastic. Big serious up Antonio player. Conte. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, Kane's Kane's irreplaceable. I think. I think. In, I mean, in this year, in our age, I think you're seeing more and more great players um, come up, like in the winger sort of area. So I think Son would be more replaceable than Kane because not only are there, in my opinion, fewer great strikers than there than they used to be. But, I mean, how many other strikers in the world can do what Kane does defensively and defensively? And I, I agree. Even Hugo, Hugo what are you thinking? Oh, uh, yeah, I think Chris absolutely nailed it. Like, sort of talking about, you know, Kane. I mean, the thing is, he just is irreplaceable. There's no one like him in the world. His completeness, you know. So, I, I agree with one. I think Kane is more just he's fundamental to everything they're, they're both fundamental but i think just listen to what chris says he's spot on yeah not not that i want to gas up chris too much because i think this is already going to his head but i think he's got it spot on in this one i i really i almost wanted to do a cop out and i say neither are a good and neither are as good as they could potentially be without the other i think their play styles perfectly complement each other i chris mentioned that there was i'm going to debate this one aspect chris mentioned that there was three players at Bayern that could do what he thinks that could do what Son can do. I disagree. I think people still don't rate Son as much as he should. If you watch those games, he is just as vital to that Tottenham team as Harry Kane. And you've seen throughout injuries as well, you can put Son up top and he still gives so many people problems. I, I, I still think you, you have to choose Kane. Um, I do, but I think that Son needs to start getting credit for being one of the best, you know, support yeah. players, you know, support striker, winger, not just in the Premier League, I think in the world. I think he's really up there. Um, I it's rate him really I rate him over I rate him over all three of the names that you named for Bayern. I'd take him over all three of those. Oh, I do as well, but I feel like the gap between them and the next man up if you were to replace Kane is massive. Not massive. Agreed, agreed. Team. I recently said Danny Ings for all people who might be listening and <laughs> laughing. Okay, I still hold the opinion that Danny Ings is the best half chance finisher in the league. I do because if you think about it, his services. I know he's got James Ward Prowse. He's got some talented midfield players. I don't know. You just see the stuff that he finishes, and you don't think you're yeah. thinking where where did that come from? And the reason where it came from was Ings had a sniff of goal and he's buried it in the bottom corner. So, hundred mm. percent agreed. Um, but actually, to move on quickly to it, one, we're going to do one other player versus player, but it's going to be who's the better player. Um, and I, I, I like the fact that we don't have the Man United here, fan here today, um, nor a Manchester City fan here today. So we, we, can actually, um, we can actually debate this as, as, admir- as uh, lovers of the game rather than have any bias involved. Bruno Fernandes... 11 goals already on the season. Couple pens, as we all would know. Um, and Kevin De Bruyne, who, who had a slow start to the season, but is still, have, in my mind, the best in his position in the league. Some would say Bruno now. What are you guys thinking? I mean, in my opinion, it's actually quite an easy debate. Yeah. I think yeah, okay. quite a simple answer. De Bruyne, I think overall in his career, has been a better player. But for the last year or so, Bruno's been the better player. No, in my disagreed. Opinion. Nah. You disagree with that? Yeah, but Hugo, do you want to go first? Or because you? Okay, well, yeah, I, I think I agree with more. I think Kevin De Bruyne's a better player. Um, he's a team that more. He's a player that more teams would want. But I, but I, the one thing I would question is 
if you put KDB into Bruno's position when he comes into Man U, would have had the same impact? I think Bruno's ability to come in effectively like just like revitalised the club. Like they were drifting last season, got them into the top four this year. Okay, they're not going to win the league probably, but that you know they're joined fast at the moment. Um, so I think his impact is def could definitely be argued as better than what KDB would offer. And I think he's also a better finisher. But other than that, I think Kevin De Bruyne is just okay. And um, given my two cents, I think I'm going to agree more with Chris on this one again. I I personally. I don't know about you guys. I'd rather have De Bruyne in my team. Just if you if you gave me the two names and said, which one do you want in your starting 11? I'm taking away current form. I know people are going to be like, why would you do that? I'm just saying who, out of the ceilings of the players and what they can bring to the pitch, I feel like Kevin De Bruyne's ceiling is much higher than Bruno Fernandes. I think Kevin De Bruyne is a generational talent. Um, I also think Bruno Fernandes could be. I haven't seen enough of it yet. I know I think he'll be in Probably. team of the year. You know, and maybe even player. I think he probably is the prem player of the of twenty twenty, um, in my opinion, as regard to impact. As you said, Hugo Man United were dwindling very much so, but I still would struggle to take away Kevin De Bruyne for what he brings to that you know what he brings to that City team because I don't think offensively going going forward without him they'd be anywhere near the club that they have been over the last few years. I think I think the only problem for Bruno's cause is he's only been doing it in the Premier League for a year or so. So it would be difficult to choose Bruno as like an overall sort of career player. I think if, if you were to ask this question in like what, two or three years time, I think it could be a different answer. It's, but, it's, it, I'll bring this up. It's funny because if you ask that question, uh, an old, an old friend who's schooling me now, Mashari Saka, who asked that, and I think he used to be a Chelsea fan and now he's a City fan. And I think it changed. He stopped being a Chelsea fan about when Kevin De Bruyne left. So I think I think when he says "speak the truth," I think he's 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 asking us to go towards Kevin De Bruyne. I, I think it's close. I think it's the only to rival Kevin De Bruyne. I think the only player in the league that does that at the moment is Bruno Fernandez. And the fact that Bruno Fernandez is in the conversation with Kevin De Bruyne and deserves to be there shows is a true testament to the amazing stuff that he's done in the year done in the year for Man United. Um, to continue that a bit, and I agree with you, Luca. I think they're really, really close. They're both world-class, no shadow of a doubt. But Hugo's heard me describe them like this before. I see De Bruyne as a magician, and I see Bruno Fernandes as a machine. As in, Bruno's going to guarantee you numbers, and numbers win games at the end of the day. So he's always going to get you goals, he's always going to get you assists. De Bruyne, on the other hand, might not give you the same numbers, but just watching the game, you know that it's he's as vital to City. Yeah, the eye test. He's as vital to City as De, uh, as Fernandez is vital to United. To win a, no, to win a Chris, Premier sorry. League? Yeah. I disagree with that. Like, when De Bruyne got injured, um, what was it, a couple yeah, of seasons, 18, City 19, still cruised the league. If Bruno got injured today, okay. man, you would slide yeah. down okay. that table. Okay. Okay, to answer that, Agreed. oh yeah, so City don't City won without De Bruyne. Well, Fernandez is at United and they've lost three semi-finals with him. They're still not winning. He's done a lot. He's had a massive impact, but he's still not had. He's not. He's not pushed it over the line yet. That's what I want to talk about next. I think to win a league, I'd want Fernandez because I know he can probably give me 18 goals, 18 assists, like 35 plus. If I had, oh. <laughs> I think he can give you I think he can give you 35 goals and assists in the Premier League I like I prefer what he can do to a small team to what De Bruyne can do but if I wanted to win the Champions League where it's the best people on the planet moments I think I want De Bruyne you look at Fernandez's big game record he's got no open he's got no open play goals and assists against the big six granted he hasn't played against many big teams yet I mean he's only got a year sample size but you know with De Bruyne, when the game gets tough and City have these big games, I've seen him score against Chelsea multiple times. He did it at the weekend. He destroyed Arsenal last season. As in, that's probably one of the best performances I've seen in the Premier League in watching it for 15 years. He hurt United. He's done it to Spurs since Pellegrini was there. In the big moments, because he's got more technical ability and can give you impact in your half, on the edge of your own 18-yard box, and in the other 18-yard box, I prefer him. Bruno is going to win PFA Player of the Year this season, I think, just to summarise. Right now, he's in better form, but I feel like De Bruyne wasn't allowed to start the season and you're starting to see he's improving a bit. 
De Bruyne is a better player. Bruyne is in a better form as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say you know he's currently not to, not to be the stats merchant, but just to let the people know who might not be familiar, Bruno Fernandez is currently sitting third on top of Premier League goals with eleven, and he's also got uh, he's also got seven assists. So he is technically joint with Harry. No, he's not. Harry Kane has more goals and assists by two, but it's close um, at the top for, between those two. And I think to be honest that. Bruno has had less to work with in that front um, than, which is weird to say. I think that I think that Bruno's achievements this season have have outshone. It's close. Have outshone those of Harry Kane and and uh, Hume Winson, in my personal opinion. Thus far. I I really rate Bruno. I'm I'm a. It pains me to say it because, you know. I, I always thought he might go to a. I, I never actually thought he'd end up at United after the whole. You know, if everyone remembers the whole debacle. Of not this past summer, the, the past summer of him not wanting to come, or not him not wanting to come, but deals not being sought and paying more and paying less. But they got it done, and and good for Man United because I think they do belong in the top four. They do belong challenging for titles, and I don't think the league was the same without them being in that sort of position for 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 the length of period that they have. So in a weird way, I'm I'm glad that they're back to form and they don't make excuses about who's at the wheel, but. <laughs> um, you know, the day that they get past a semi is the day that I'll, 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 uh, I'll be even more impressed. I still think they're on, they're on path to, to challenge league titles. I think they're going to be a nightmare, but they're going to have a slip up. Um, and they, but they'll cause other people to slip up. They, they will. I just, you know, Europa, the people forget they lost in the semifinals to City. Granted, City played very well. Um, they lost uh, to, they they got knocked out of uh, I don't, you can blame players but they got knocked out of um, Champions League they're in the Europa again you know I think that Europa League fixture congestion might negatively affect them later in the season um, mm. they didn't last year to be fair but I think it might will it might do this year I think it will you know bring in some fatigue um, to the squad and then he'll be forced to rotate and I don't think Ole trusts too many people outside his regular starting eleven at the moment you can see with Van der Beek being brought in at great expense a panic buy I think we could all agree. And not being utilised, the talent that he has. I don't is, think I it's just... a matter of trust, though. I just literally think that that's probably the one position in the eleven positions on the pitch where they didn't need any reinforcement because the player in that position was so clear that he's undroppable. No, I agree. I agree. I do. But I do want to. I do want to move on from that because I know timing and whoever has managed to stick through and listen this far is is doing a great job, and we've got an interesting topic that I want to get into. Um, which I think we're all we'll talk more about it in a new in a in another podcast, which I hope all of you guys will be able to do. But I want to quickly touch on a couple other things. One of which is Leeds. Um, people have rated, and others have not. Leagues in induction into the league and how they performed and their immense attacking style. I know that Hugo is is anticip- Hugo at Morley and Chris are all all have their own very strong opinions on Leeds as a, as a football club. And I think the, the direct question from lovely Ivan Seaberg Montefiore was, is the Leeds hype train being taken too far? What do you guys think? 100%. Yeah. Think uh, that. Yeah, you go, you go. Okay, well, I, I just think that um, like, there's no nine they're a great addition to league. Like, the football they play is exciting. They're, they are, I think it'd be quite fair to say if most te- most neutrals want to watch a game, Leeds would definitely they make games exciting. That being said, they got hammered six two, was it by Manu, or whatever? Yeah. And the commentators were still gassing Leeds up. Like, they, I'm they sorry, can't, you just they can't get enough of it. They can't get enough of it. The commentators exactly. and like it it does really annoy me when like they get ham- like if Fulham had gone to Manu and got hammered six two, they got slaughtered. Like, oh, this is a disgrace of Premier League. All the rubbish, but. No, the commentators were gassing up Leeds more than Manu when they won six two. But they, they, I, they, I mean, the same same happened with the Chelsea game against Leeds, and same has happened with several games where Leeds have lost. You know, I have never heard. You know, who was commentating that game? West Brom Leeds. You know, West Brom played appallingly, and don't get me wrong, Leeds were phenomenal and they played very well. But I, I could have sworn that Le- Leeds had won the league when they beat West Brom with the way that the commentators were talking about the football club and Bielsa and. You know, Seabag followed up Has with. Has Bielsa with... won anything? No, yeah, but... I don't. That, that's 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 a big thing. Are they, Has he won anything? Um, like, that's another point. I love his translator. His it's translator it's looks it's like it's the most depressed guy in the entire world. 
No, no, and, and these Luke, no, Luca, that, that also pisses me off as well. <laughs> I don't get why Bielsa feels as if he's so good that he doesn't have to make an effort to learn English. No, like every other Premier League has to do. Can, can I know, I know, I know, one second. I remember Pochettino in his early times at Southampton was getting rinsed by everybody for not being able to learn, like, not learning English. Mm. And, and, and now when Bielsa's come in and always he's got all this like aura about him, being nominated for Manager of the Year award when he's not really done anything, um, it annoys me why he doesn't get slated as well. Just quickly on that, um, I th- I'm pretty sure I read somewhere the reason he has a translator is that this is what I've heard. Um, apparently he can speak English, but not very well. And when he's talking to media, he doesn't want his message to be misconstrued. Yeah, um, fair enough. Yeah, but no, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I I agree. Like the fact that he got nominated for what man of the year for getting Leeds the favourites out of the championship, um, is yeah. it's just comical. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, what about RB Leipzig manager Nagelsmann, semi-final of Champions League? Leon's manager, Atalanta's manager. I mean, they've all yeah, more Gasparini things than Bielsa did. He's not yeah, won exactly. it, has he? All He's Bielsa's... not won it. Is it just nomination? No, he. he... Three no, managers no, it, got it, nominated. It was Flick, yeah. Klopp, and Bielsa. Yeah. Oh, Klopp like, won, right? All Bielsa's done. No. Oh, yeah, he did, actually, yeah. I don't that, know how he won. Bielsa's head was wrong as well. Yeah, There's not a single yeah, but, yeah, but, award in global football. All these world awards are a joke. Like, they're just, like, they're wrong. They're pretty much wrong yeah, every time. completely agree. But, yeah. But, like, I mean, all Bielsa did this year was he won the second domestic league in England. That's nothing special if you look at any other country in the world. And, and he's, he's now, what, average 14th in the, in the Premier League? He's done 14th. average. I mean, he's done, yeah. He's not done I mean, well. I mean, of no course. one can say he's done well no, with Leeds yeah. here. I mean, he's, he's entertaining. Like, Leeds, Leeds entertaining to watch, don't get me wrong. And they score loads of goals. But their defence is mm. dreadful. It is, I mean, I think it's got like, the second worst defence in the league. Mm. Like, it's, it's awful. It's really bad. One and thing I think no, I'll I say about like, their... Pick up on that. The thing about their defence is that, I don't know if it's a COVID thing, but when I've been watching games recently, I'm seeing people... Alioski is not a left-back. Stuart Dallas has been playing centre-back with Luke Hayling. They're not centre-backs. I don't want to pronounce this CDM's name wrong, but I think Hugo's going to know what I'm talking about. It starts with like S-T-R, like Stroke or something. He's a... Okay, anyway, Stroke, yeah. CDM Stroke, playing Stroke, centre-back. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's fitness or... I think an issue for them in the Premier League is they're lacking squad depth, I think. Yeah. I look at their bench... They've got people like Tyler Roberts and Helder Costa in attack, but midfield and defence. People like Shackleton coming on. Does he look like a Premier League player? Like I can't say much for his like ability, like in the long run. But from what I've seen, I've been like, hmm, if you want to do anything in this league, you better have better people to bring off the bench. But I think yeah, Bielsa too much hype. Leeds just gonna be like, I can't see them near Europe anytime soon, and they ain't getting down. They'll just be there for fun, which isn't bad. I think I enjoy that. Like it makes for good games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Luca. No, I, I'd be, uh, be inclined to agree. I, 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 you know, we, we've mentioned it. Like, how did Bielsa get nominated for Manager of the Year? I, I still don't really know. I mean, you could also go on how did Klopp win Manager of the Year? That, that one as well. I'm, I'm a bit confused about. Um, I don't even think Will will say that he deserved to win that trophy, and Klopp doesn't say no, himself no, yeah. that he deserved to win that trophy. Um, I think it's an interesting debate. I I just think long term, you know, I think Leeds are in the second round of fixtures, funny enough. I think Leeds are going to struggle a lot more than people think. I think, uh, you know, you can start to see the more maybe tactfully aware managers are starting to fill out, figure out a play style against them. Um, I think you can let them attack at you a little bit because they're just not strong enough defensively. Um, and you can play, it's, it's weird. You're not often that you think about having to play counter-attacking football against a team that was just regularly promoted, but you know, I, yeah, I don't, right. I don't think, you know, I, I don't, I, I rate the energy and the excitement they bring to the league. I like the fan base being back. Um, yeah. It's, it's, so they're it's definitely an addition to the prep. Yeah. And I, and yeah, I think they, of course they will. I, I mean, I think that they'll be in the league for, for a couple more seasons to come. I, I just think the second half of their season is going to be a, a bit, I think it's going to be a bit of disappointment. I think a lot of people will have they figured will, them out how to play against well. them. Yeah, and also they, they had their fitness that was uh, unsustainable. Talk about um, fading and now possibly a revitalizing. I do want to touch on a question we got from another listener, Victor, which is, where is Arsenal finishing in the league? I can't tell you. As a fan <laughs> that knows the club inside out, I can't tell you because you don't know what, you get, what you're going to get week in, week out. 
I've enjoyed watching us these last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's cool, it's nice, it's good form. But just the way the club's been the last five years, since Wenger left especially, there's just no consistency. I mean, how Emery can put a 22-game unbeaten run together, you think, oh, he's the Messiah, he's the second coming, we're going to win the league, and how did the season end? I just think, I think to just analyse the club at the moment, the team at the moment, if they don't strengthen, they're going to get caught out because, as I said before we started the broadcast, they're relying on young, young players who aren't going to give you the, the numbers, the output for the rest of the season. They're just not going to do that. If a Bamian is going to be on 250, 300 grand a week and score one open play goal in about 15 games as the cornerstone of the, strat- the team strategy, that's a serious problem. I just think, I, I mean, Luca asked me that question again on February 1st when we've brought in Julian Brandt maybe or Tariq Lamptey. But the one thing I would say about Arsenal is that their main issue as a club is definitely not what goes on on the pitch. It's the cronyism, it's the agent power around the club now, it's the contract structures and stuff like that. It's how Kroenke, what he does with the match day revenue, things like that. It's not as in that, that trajectory of the club is not going to be about what Arteta does because I think people that really know football and respect, you know, assistant managers and Pep Guardiola know that the guy can manage. You don't win the FA Cup. You don't beat Klopp, Guardiola, Ole and Lampard in your first year if you don't really know what you're doing. It's just more if he's going to have the conditions, if, the, if, if um, executives in the club are going to give him the conditions necessary to take the team forward. That would be my main qualm about Arsenal. In terms of what the players at the club right now can give you, there's not enough quality there for Europe, I don't think. Especially when I think teams like Southampton, Everton are going to stay around the top this year. I think they do have depth and longevity in the way they did it last year, maybe. So if I had to put a number on it, I'd probably say ninth, eighth, personally. Yeah. Chris, well, I'm, I mean, I've seen mixed, I've seen mixed opinions on um, on this player, and I just want to get your thoughts on him. What do you think about Granite Xhaka? Granite Xhaka is one of these players who he's all right, he's decent at everything, he's good at nothing. He's a player that I think to succeed needs the right pieces around him. That's not a bad thing if your owner's going to back you and your manager's got a tactical identity. I think Arteta does have a tactical identity. Personally, how I'd like to see Arsenal line up would be maybe a 4-2-3-1. Partey and Xhaka, I think, next to each other would be quite good because you've got the legs of Partey who can give you defensive and offensive output. But So he can literally do what he wants to run the midfield. You've seen him against United. He can run a midfield against Fernandez, that kind of player, players of that ilk. It's just him having that reliable partner next to him. And the one thing about Xhaka, which is unfailing, is that he can kind of run a game's tempo when he's got the ball at feet. He knows the passes to play. He can find them. Long pass, short pass. His IQ is not an issue. Like, the guy understands football. He can play at this level. It's the rashness. It's that rush of blood, the adrenaline. And then I also think he's also been one of our most consistent performers since Emery got there. I rate him as a player, but I feel like he needs he needs a consistent partner next to him. It can't be Torreira for a bit, then Gondosi, then Ceballos, you know, all rotating. He needs a partner and he needs a proper base. And we work from that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, t- I mean t- t- touching on your point earlier about the last couple of weeks being a breath of fresh air, um, what I did notice was when, I can't remember which match it was, I can't remember who you were facing, it may have been Chelsea. Mm. Um, but, it was when it was when you sort of you broke down your squad. You took loads of players out, including Aubameyang, and you just brought in loads of youngsters like Smith Rowe. Yeah, and I think that really has brought in fresh Half the fan base was saying, "Do this a month ago." As in, that's how in in the Premier League over the last 10, 15 years, when managers I don't care if it's fifteenth, sixteenth, or seventh, eighth, fifth, fourth, it doesn't matter where you are in the league. If the people in the fat con tracks stop running, stop giving you desire, you bring in the young kid, and nine times out of ten, they'll deliver. If you're not winning any of your eight games, or like I don't know how many games it was where they didn't get a win, and you still keep sticking with the likes of William, William and Louise, then that's the one thing I have about Arteta, favoritism. But I don't think the favoritism is because of him. I don't want to get too far into it, but there's a massive thing at Arsenal over Edu's power and an agent called Kio Drabchan. Essentially, the wrong players are on the pitch for Arsenal. People like William, Abamyang, David Luiz, experienced senior players, 
don't have the right culture, the mentality for the club if we want to go forward. If Arsenal want to get anything out like this season, you play players that have the talent, Balogun, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, Saka, but are really going to run and actually going to buy into the, what do you call it, the coach's mentality. And they're not just money grabbers. They're not just doing it for a paycheck. They're not just I doing know. it so they can go to the tapas restaurant that their mate owns down there. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. I have one final question because we're going to round up this. There's a lot to talk about. A lot of questions we didn't manage to get through, but we will revisit those in the next couple of days. Um, so thank you for everyone that sent it in. And don't worry, I will, I will make sure that your questions and any future questions that you might have about what was talked on today get on the podcast. I'm going to finish with one question. One question only, and it's going back to a little bit, but it's because I have never seen so many people write the four letters T-I-M-O um, in a text message to me over and over again. Um, and I want to know what you guys think about this. Timo, so you've got Timo and Kai. Timo Werner, Kai Havertz. Last question, short answers. Who finds form first? Kai, Timo um, doesn't Havertz. make it in this league. Timo doesn't make it in this league. And the same thing happened to Alvaro Morata, where this, this country's toxicity, where the media will get onto you like that. Your fan base will get onto you like that. Twitter will get onto you like that. Werner's not a bad player. He's a good player in a wrong system. That's the first issue. And the second issue is confidence. I don't think he gets the confidence back in the Chelsea environment where his technical abilities will return to him. I don't see him making it in the Premier League. Kai, well, I think, can make it. Um, I don't know. I think it's a tough one because I think I think Havertz hasn't necessarily shown like the physical demands that you like you need as a Premier League player. Um, whereas I think Werner's he's more on that sort of level. I think with I think with Werner, I think his confidence has just been sh- quite shot recently. I mean, this season in particular. But um, like, he's, he's shown in the in the Bundesliga, he's shown in the Champions League that he can perform at the highest level. So if I were to mm. go with one of those two, I'd probably say Werner to be honest. Once his confidence comes back. No, I think Havertz. I actually, I highly rate Havertz. I think Havertz is um, Havertz is being he's a product of Lampard's poor system, not great management. And I think as soon as a top manager comes in, I think you'll see Havertz prove himself as actually one a truly, truly top midfielder. Whereas Werner, you know, like as has been touched on, he's obviously a good player, but I think Havertz actually has a ridiculously high ceiling. Whereas I don't think Werner does. Uh, yeah, I'd say Havertz is going to be a... I mean, I really, really hope that we don't mess it up that badly because I think Havertz could be the future of Chelsea's midfield yeah. um, for years and years to come. I think that's the type of player that if you get happy, he has the impact of staying for years and years and years, you know, and hopefully doesn't get swooped and picked up by a Real Madrid or Barcelona, things like that, because he is that type of quality player. I think he's one of the top five young players in the world. On form, obviously not, but I think with potential and ceilings, I think he is. Um, oh, and I think, I think honestly, I said it earlier in the in the cast. Like I think, I've what I've seen with regards to physicality, um, movement, tracking back, passing, accuracy, confidence. Havertz has already started to show not nowhere near enough for his price tag, but enough to to give me confidence that he will find his feet in the league. You know, he came on against City, he played well. He came against against Villa, he played well. There's 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 signs that things are going to be moving forward for him. Um, Timo, to be honest, I'd rather see him start tomorrow against Morecambe um, and get a little bit of confidence back. If he doesn't score against Morecambe, then you start Giroud next game. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, think, I think Kai finds it first. I, I don't think Timo is destined to be a failure in this league because you see people like, Aguero do so successfully I mean, and I wouldn't even put Timo and Aguero in the same conversation I do think Timo is obviously much younger um, and but he has the similar you know similar height you know quicker than Aguero his finishing is nowhere near as good I think if Timo manages to find those finishing boots though he's going to be an absolute nightmare for anywhere in the league um, for anybody he faces the left wing experiment he tried to do a, Lampard tried to do a Mane didn't work out I hope that Lampard actually now tries and figures out a way, if he wants to keep putting him on the left, of actually supporting him. Um, because I don't think that his passing is good enough to play with Chile um, down that left flank. Um, but I don't know. I, I think Lampard, I don't, everyone has criticisms. I don't think too many people have answers at the moment of Chelsea Football Club. So it'll be interesting to see what goes down in the next, few, I think, few weeks because something has to change. Um, but with that said, 
Um, thank you, all of those who managed to make it through this entire podcast. I know it's dragged on a little bit, but it's been a lot of useful information, a lot of quote-unquote ball nolly. Um, and uh, thank you to Will, Hugo, and Chris for coming on um, and doing this. You'll hear there will be another podcast out in a few days' time, hopefully with the same people, maybe not. You know, Chris is always busy with so much interesting stuff. So um, <laughs> we uh, yeah. thank you for listening and uh, see you next time. Bye-bye.